As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. All right, James. It is a different feeling around the Leafs right now. Things have changed dramatically in under a week. It's funny how games will do that. They're going streaking, Jonas. Oh, man. Best team in the league over the last seven days, wouldn't you say? More like the last day, the last game. Undefeated. Well, Vegas was... They were basically the Henderson Golden Knights there. They were hurting. <laughs> I've got I've got Robin Lehner in my fantasy pool. It has not been a it's not been a fun ride so far. Yeah, they are quite injured, and obviously the Detroit game is Detroit is Detroit right now. Um, rebuilding, interesting, young. Yeah, I think they they look a lot better. Like they even if they finish bottom five or whatever, you can see that. I think I think we talked about them last week. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be interesting all year. Well, they do have what I would argue is the best GM in the league, so that helps. But we're not here to do Red Wings talk, James. We're here to talk about the Leafs. That's the Max uh, Boltman show. Yes, you want so, the Max Boltman show two doors over. <laughs> we're going to take questions in the pod bag. We're going to talk about Jack Campbell. We'll talk about. Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren. Timothy Lilligren, wow, all of a sudden looks interesting. Um, but we're going we're to talk about Michael Amadio. 
We are not. We're going to talk about Josh Hosang. We are not. We're going to talk about Mac Hollowell. The Marley's report. Should we we should come up with we should do a Marley's report at some point, like once a once half once half every ha- six months. How's that? Two hours with cloak. Yeah, in a, in a closet by himself. His prospect report the other day was awesome. If people haven't checked that out, like he, it's unreal some of the depth he has and like some of these prospects. Yeah. Like it's really good for me just to kind of be aware of what's going on with some of these guys. Like he. He's got the lowdown on everyone. Well, now Josh has been doing that for three or four years for us. So his like connections to all of the teams in Europe and the coaches and everything, he, he gets some really good stuff now. So it's uh, uh, some people were responding in the comments that this is worth subscribing just for just for this. So we're going to hopefully have a lot of Marley's and prospect coverage over the course of the year. All right. But this is not the prospect report pod right now. My mistake. So, James, I like to play games with you um, on this podcast. And sometimes you, you, yeah, you sort of play along, but then you forget that we're playing the game. So, we're playing a game today, and you need to remember. So, the game today. Is it crap or not or whatever you were saying? Real or. I decided to revamp it. Real or unreal? Today, the game is It's Fine Now or TBD. What do you it think? Sounds, uh, it feel, uh, it feels, feels an awful lot like whatever the hell the last one was. The last game was called Convinced or Unconvinced, and you kept well, forgetting the, that there was a game. It's the same It's the same shit with a different Sh- label on it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Obviously, um, jo- Jonas is ornery today. Number one. He was one. writing last night. Yeah. Number one. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner struggled early, didn't look like themselves, but the last couple games, and especially the last game on Tuesday night against Vegas, they were firing. So, James, it's fine now or TBD? I'm I'm not worried about. You have I'm to not, answer the question. It's fine. I, now. I do. You can <laughs> yes. you can answer you can you can answer those. Oh I don't think boy! People, I don't think people need a game show every time they listen to this. No, sometimes we, we got to mix it up. Been doing this podcast for nine and a half long. Listen, painful years. I am Steve Harvey. I am Patch Sajak. I make the rules. Steve Harvey, nice. <laughs> he just he just laughs at the contestants' insane <laughs> answers half the time. I I think that Matthews and Marner in the regular season, that's not like a real concern. They weren't very good in their first four or five games. But, I mean, Marner, you wondered if like the burden of whatever was going on there in those first games was going to hang with him for a while. But yeah, it's obviously a very good sign that he's tipsy doodling and doing what he normally does. And it, it feels like... Uh, it's interesting, like, you wouldn't, like, it feels like for him, so much of it is, like, psychological or something, right? Like, he just needs to, like... Well, he admitted as it, much, James, right? Yeah, he said it himself. He's like, I got to stop, like, worrying about things that I don't need to be worrying about when I'm out there playing. And it's just interesting that how much different of a player he looks when when that's the case. But you know what's interesting about it is you could see it. You know what I mean? Like you could see that he was in his own head and like just tight. And I well, thought he's that like, was, yeah, he's like skating like he's got a piano on his back when normally yeah. he can like like that goal against Vegas is that's Mitch Marner. 
Well, and you could kind of, I, I thought Peter Holland, the former Leaf, that's a deep cut. Um, he had some tweets about it and I think he made a, a good point. Like these guys are just humans. Like they, they feel all this pressure and they're like, he had obviously the playoff performance. He took a lot of heat for that. He's making a lot of money. He's from Toronto. Like there's a lot you could feel getting on his shoulders and it's easy to imagine him coming into the year, feeling all that pressure and putting that weight on himself and being tight. And I thought the most interesting word that, that was used about him was from Sheldon Keefe. And he just used the word free. And he said, like Marner is playing free again. And I think that's kind of the way when he's even, really rolling, even though he's it. expensive, he's not free on the cap. <laughs> no, sorry. Interrupting you. But but you can see like free I thought really describes how he looks again. Right? Yeah. It makes sense. It'd be interesting to know. I think that we should try and talk to Marner and and maybe you know talk about like I wonder if I wonder how how he came to that revelation or how he was able to move past whatever was bothering him or to start the season because they just they need him to lock in in, in that mindset. Especially during the playoffs, especially like when the the, the problem it, it's felt like for Marner the last couple of years is that when the pressure builds to its absolute maximum, he doesn't he doesn't play like he like free. He plays like he's really expensive. <laughs> well, you wonder like I mean, you wonder if Greg Harden, the new peak performance coach, I think that's his title, played any role. Like I'm reading that book, uh about the New England Patriots. And literally, I just got through the part about Greg Harden and the role he played with Tom Brady. And I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll I guess, find out. Good doing, time. Some, doing some work on your time off there, reading about. No, I'm not reading it for Greg Harden. I, re- I wanted to read the book regardless, but it's interesting. Kyle Dubas has been like a Patriots fan, right? Like, isn't he? I don't know that. Doesn't, isn't he like a. All I, I know is he, he's a Seattle Mariners fan. Which, I thought he was like a Belichick fan or something. I mean, I thought, who isn't, right? Like in terms of the way he's managed. I don't know much about it. But I, I think that that's like one of the people that like kind of like the process oriented. Maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken. But I think that that's one of the people that he's like looked to to, to kind of take some lessons from. Um, wasn't there an NFL team that... that was it Shanahan? No. Oh, that was back when Babcock was around. Didn't Babcock meet with an NFL team about like was it was that the Patriots? I can't remember. I want to say it was Sean McVay, maybe, or it was. Uh, anyway, I can't remember. There was an NFL team that he did connect with at some point. Oh, it might have been Pete. Was it Pete Carroll? I can't yeah, remember. That, I think he visited with someone. Yeah, that at sounds some familiar. Yeah. Anyway, um, are you surprised that that things look to be clicking again with Marner and Tavares? Like I, I've I thought they should explore this coming into the year. It kind of happened by accident, um, and it, it kind of looks like they've kind of got it back a little bit, like they had a, a few years ago. Well, I don't even know why it unclicked. So, uh, you know, are we just like, is this just like random chance that it's like going on and off and? You know why it feels different, James? I think what would ha- what had happened... So, they have that 18-19 season together where they're just phenomenal. Then they start the next season, 19-20. The team kind of sputters out of the gate. They're not clicking. Uh, they didn't have Zach Hyman to start the year. 
Babcock gets fired. Keith comes in and not long after, like, I think it's like a month. He's like, this isn't working. He puts Marner with Matthews and obviously they take off. And then the only times Tavares and Marner play together, it's like the odd game. When it's Matthews not, is out. When Matthews is out, it like it, it never feels like it's something they're going to stick with. You can kind of feel that Marner doesn't have the same energy with Tavares as he did with with Matthews. Like he's kind of maybe just waiting for him to come back. And this time is different because like it felt like this could be extended. Like it wasn't necessarily that they were just going to get right back together the next period. I, I don't know that if that has anything to do with it, but if 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 they can figure it out, I think that this makes a lot of sense. Just with the way that Nylander's playing and the need to get like Tavares has looked really really good the last couple of games. I mean that's that's what you want, and it makes sense that with the way that his skating is and even his stick handling is not all world. Like you're gonna want you're gonna want like a fast skilled puck transporter like Marner playing with him. I just think it not not that Nylander can't do that, but I think that it just makes a lot of sense. Whereas if you put Matthews with Marner, yes, they were like all world fantastic last year, but it, it just made the Leafs, especially when Tavares got hurt, it made them really easy to shut down. Yeah. Well, and right now they kind of feel two line dynamic where those are basically two number one lines. And I thought it was interesting, James, like, you look at the ice time from that game on Tuesday night, and granted, it's like it becomes a blowout, so the third period is kind of a wash. Um, but you look at the ice time, like Marner played 13.01 five-on-five. Uh, William Nylander played 16.51. Tavares, 14.12. So, like Marner's, when he plays with Tavares, he's he's playing a little bit less. So, on this season, their their minutes are down slightly like Marner is down like yeah like he's like it's like a minute minute and a half that's not nothing that's well, not nothing. that that was one of the talking points I don't know if, if you wrote about it but I've seen you know some of the some of the I did you did write about it at some point did you say that they should they should cut their minutes down so Marner for the seasons at 2045 which is I mean what was he, he was 21? like 22 and change last year hmm and Matthews is down to 2019. I mean, p- part of that with Matthews, though, is uh, obviously coming off the injury. And then, I mean, I guess if Nylander's playing as well as he is, you dial him up a little bit. Nylander is at 1907, which is up. And Tavares is, Tavares is 1832, which feels like it's down a little bit. Well, he played 15 and a half minutes against Vegas. Again, like the, mm-hmm. the blowouts kind of impacted. They had that 7-1 game in Pittsburgh. But like you mentioned Matthews, and that's the other part of this, it's fine now, debate. Um, that was, I think, the best he's looked, period, this year, which which isn't really surprising when you think of like what he was going through. Like We probably underestimated how difficult it all was to compress all that stuff, have the surgery in mid-August. Then there's training camp. Then he's skating again. Then he's handling the puck. And then he doesn't play in the preseason. Then he just misses the first three games. And then he comes back. Like we probably should have anticipated more of a, a hurdle. But I think because it's him and because he's he played through, you know, that situation last year and performed, like we probably just thought, yeah, he'll be fine. So he's got three goals in seven games. He missed three games with the the wrist problem. His shooting percentage is up to nine point seven percent. That's gonna that's that's like almost 
half, a little more than half of where he normally is. So if he was shooting normally, he'd be at five or six goals in seven games. He's on pace for 34 goals in 79 games. I say he does it. It's, uh, that's fair. Um, I mean, him and him and Neander were humming like to start that game. They were just like, it was like all of a sudden the connection was back. Like they were finding each other constantly. And Matthews had like two or three or four, maybe five chances to score in the first like 10 minutes of the game. The most encouraging thing to me was the power play. And they, they, they finally found that goal that, you know, the other team has to respect the shot of Nylander on the one side. And then Matthews is coming down the other side. And like that, that feels almost unstoppable if they can connect on that. You got, you got Tavares going to the net and then the D's worried about him almost like a decoy. And then the pass comes across and like, it's just effortless for, for Matthews to put it in. All right. Well, James, that's the next question in our game. The power play, it's fine now or TBD? Oh, huh? yeah, we're, st- we're still playing this. We're still playing. Crappy game. It's not crappy. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's the... TBD? It's too, I think it's... it's uh, TBD. It's, it's too early to say it's fine. <laughs> it's fine now. That's what I would say. What's the the, the power play percentage is... Um, 17.9% for the year, which is not good. Which is 21st in the NHL, I am told. Yes. According according to my my phone, according to my story, yeah. Uh, you wrote a story. Yeah, I did. I'm I'm TBD on this one. Like I I thought that was really encouraging how how good they looked. There was just like a level of I, I I keep remembering the word you mentioned. Like there was a level of chaos to the power play where it felt like it felt like they could like anyone could score. Like they had a look right before Matthew scored where I think Matthews or maybe it was Neilander or maybe it was Marner shoveled it down to Tavares and he had like a jam play that, that almost scored. And then like you mentioned, like Neilander gets on the opposite side of Matthews and he draws in the defense and that creates just enough room for Matthews to get the shot off. Like that's why their power play should be good. Like there's no reason this power play shouldn't be top five in the league. A big reason why Matthews and Marner and to some extent Tavares don't don't haven't had the production early this season is the power play. They all only have yes. one they all only have one power play point ten games in, which is not gonna be the norm. Well, I forget the number from last year, but I think McDavid had like thirty more power play points than Matthews or something last year. Like just some insane number. Like I mean, I'm looking at it right now. So Dreisaitl and McDavid are number tied for first in the league in scoring. Dreisaitl has six power play points. McDavid has nine of 17. And their power play has just been like off the chain good. Um, But that would help. Off the the chisel. Sorry, I'm a little too hip for you sometimes. Uh, Wow, Troy Terry, seventh in the league in scoring. Is off the chain like a, is that like a jail reference? Oh boy. All right, let's move on. Uh, But the other part about the power play, James, that is, has been... um, like the chain a positive, <laughs> a positive is their second unit has actually been, it's almost like their second unit just, just plays like there's very little, like they're not overthinking it. They've got like the, the ageless wonder, Jason Spezza running things and Pierre Engvall's on the power play. That's working. Michael Bunting is, is a threat like that second unit. If they can get the first unit going and then they have kind of that backup second unit, that's promising. Like how we talk about Jason Spezza, like he's like 87 years old. He is. 
I guess he is by <laughs> by NHL standards. Well, it's like James. Like the only I mentioned this uh, in my story. Like the only older forward is Joe Thornton. Like he watched the Panthers. Like he barely plays, and like he's he looks kind of like he did last year. He looks really creaky in the games I've seen. Yeah, yeah, and like he's now granted he's forty two. Spets is thirty eight, but like. It looks like Spezza could play another few years with the way he's going. They did not have a great night against Vegas, the fourth line. Uh, but overall, like, he's been excellent. Well, Spezza leads the Leafs in power play points so far this season. He's got he's only playing a minute 55 a game on the power play, and he's got three points. That Those are all well-earned points, too. Like, he's he's only, he's been, like, kind of like the, the – he hasn't. I wouldn't say he's been the quarterback of the power play, but he's been the leader of that second power play unit. Yeah, it kind of runs through him. He he's obviously sees the ice really well. He's got that fake shot that seems to work. You know what's interesting is that the second power play unit has been kind of like nothing for like a few years. And nothing, you're right. And Spets has been on it. So I wonder I wonder why it's different that he's able to make more of an impact this year than than past years on that on that unit. It's all different elements around him, like Bunting, Richie, Engwall, Sandine. Like that's all new. I think it's probably Richie that's making that power play unit better. Yes. Um, okay. The last question in our game. Oh, God. It's fine now, James, or TBD, the defense right now. So, the last couple games, Justin Hall has sat. Um, Morgan Riley has played with Travis Dermott. TJ Brody has played with Jake Muzzin. And Sandine and Lilligren have been together on the third pair. Uh, TBD. I, I yes. think that... Uh, oh my god i love that you're playing oh man <laughs> go ahead it's too, it's too early in the morning for this jonas <laughs> i i think that uh it feels like they're going to need justin hall at some point and yes. the fact that he's played so poorly that he hasn't even been in the lineup is is concerning to me shocking honestly um it's great that logren has played as well as he has um i need to see that a little bit more yes um do you think that Lilgren is playing well because of who he's partnered with and the kind of minutes that they're giving him and those kinds of things? Or do you think this is he, he's figuring out the pace of the NHL? Or do you think that they've just been playing teams like Chicago and, and a Vegas team that's missing its five best forwards and, and that helps? Or like, what do you think is going all into his success so far. So I think it's probably a lot of those things. And I think that was, a, that's an important point about who they're playing. Like Detroit is like not a good team right now. Very young, obviously you mentioned Vegas, but like, it's interesting hearing from, from Lilgren just in terms of like one thing he brought up was um, he's, he's kind of figured out now just to make a simple play instead of trying to make a better, maybe more difficult play. And you can just see that in, in terms of like how he handles the puck. He's just making a quick decision instead of like holding in an extra beat and then losing the puck, which was what was happening. And like I watched those first two games that he played and I admittedly overreacted and was like, they shouldn't play this guy at all. Like, I don't, I don't understand this. And then he comes in his last couple games, he plays with Sandine and suddenly it's like, he looks kind of poised and he looks relaxed and like, I mean, it's not like they're they're completely sheltering them either. Um, they're not playing no. against difficult competition, but like no. they're putting them in the D zone, um, and he's been fine. Like I, I have to think Sandine has something to do with it, but he's just played better. Like I did not see this coming. Like if you, James, if you told me on November whatever second 
that Timothy Lilligram would be playing for the second straight game while Justin Hall was a healthy scratch, I would have been like, yeah, you're nuts, dude. Yeah, well, you tell me that anyway. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, I think part of it is probably Logan. It He just has a comfort level with Sandine that you can see. Like, they, 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 they're friends. They know each other. They've played together with the Marlies quite a bit. I think that that's, that's part of what goes into his success as well. So, I just – I don't know – the, the other thing, too, is that Muzzin and Brody has looked pretty good. Well, that's what and I want to ask you next. What do you think of that? I mean, I think they've been fine. I think they've been real solid. You know, there's nothing particularly flashy about that pair, but they're they're not they're both not the fastest guys on earth, but they make smart plays and they haven't gotten themselves into trouble. And We'll see, Jonas, how this works when they play against. I mean, they're gonna they got Tampa rolling in here on on Thursday, and they've got uh, Boston on Saturday, I believe. Um, yep. So those are two pretty good top lines. Although you- teams teams that have some firepower, that's going to test this this blue line configuration a lot more. What I like about it is it puts their two best defensive defensemen together. Um, you know, like I understood putting Hall with Muzzin, like you kind of get a bit more balance. Like Hall, Muzzin can lift up Hall. Brody can help Riley. But like, if you're looking at like, what's your best combination for defending top lines in the playoffs? I kind of think Muzzin Brody makes more sense. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Um, Like, I think it's good. Like, what do you think happens with Hall? Where do you think this goes? I think what I would do is find a way to bring him back on the third pair as opposed to put him back in the top top four. But I don't know that Dermot has really solidified that top four spot. So that's the big uh, to play to play your amazing. No, I'm not going to say it. That's the big meatball. That's something you would. <laughs> that's something you would say. Um, the big spicy meatball. Well, James, to your point, the numbers for Dermot and Riley in, in like a tiny sample size are not good. Not great. Well, I don't know what was going on with Dermot in the, in the Vegas game, but he was like hurt and then he, he left or something and went down the tunnel and got a picture taken of his of something to see if it was hurt. and But then he didn't play. And I mean, I, how many minutes did he have in the game against Vegas? It I wasn't like a whole lot. 14? Yeah. It just yeah. seems to me that, I mean, regardless of it. So, on the season, he's averaged 14 minutes a game. Which he's is like barely game. above last year. Yeah, he was like 13 and change last year. So, it just seems like... They don't trust him. You know, Lilgren's playing more than Dermot. Yes. And... and Sandine's and, playing more than Dermot. Like, it's almost like he's... I know it's early, but it seems like he's been passed already. Well, the red flags for me are that they're trying to protect a lead against Detroit over the weekend... Dermot doesn't play the final 10 minutes. They have penalties to kill against Vegas. Lilligram plays ahead of Dermot. Like those are those are indicators to me that they're still not there yet with, with Dermot. And like he's he's over 200 games in the league. Like it's 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 not like he's a prospect anymore. Like he's not Lilligram. He's a lot older and more experienced. You know what I mean? Well, it's gonna be pretty stark if he gets passed by I mean, if they want to mix Hall back in, you don't. You wouldn't want to take Lilgren out right now. You wouldn't take Sandino. You'd probably take Dermot out, right? You'd probably take Dermot out. Yeah. I don't know what you do though. Like you've you've had you've won the last two games. They just played their best game of the year. But well, I would like, just leave the I would leave the decor the way it is right now. I mean, for another game. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a, that's a difficult situation to manage because obviously if you were to take Dermot out, then you make Dermot unhappy. But if you keep Hall out, like you're kind of, you, you risk losing him. I like think. I said early in the show, I think they're going to need him, right? I think they I do too. So I also think James, like this feels like they're going to have to get someone better. Yeah. Because like, if you're counting on, on Dermot and like what you might get from Hall, like that might, that doesn't feel like it's going to be good enough. Now, can they do that? I don't know. Anyway, game is over. Thanks for playing. You were a great contestant. I really appreciated that. Let's take a break and then let's come back. We'll do the pod bag. We need to talk a little bit about Jack Campbell. We we're supposed to talk about Sandy and Logan, but we just did that. So I'll have to come up with something else. All right, James, get ready. We'll be back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay. No more games, Jonas. Now the games are over. No more games. You were a good contestant, though. I appreciate you playing along. No more games. Okay. Let's talk about Jack Campbell. His record as a Leaf, I believe, is now 24-7-4. That's nuts. I, I need some sort of clever name for him. I, I need uh, I, I got to come up with something. What if I did like Campbell with like MVP in the middle? That, that might work. Like C-A-M-V-P-B-E-L-L. Well, it looks like you're finally going to get your Vesna Anderson. That's going <laughs> to happen now. Clearly. <laughs> he's He's been the best goalie in the league so far, Frederick Anderson. Yeah. His numbers are just incredible. He right now, as we're recording this, has a 7-0 record with a 9.56 save percentage. Maybe uh, maybe he did need to get out of Toronto. Maybe maybe it, maybe Toronto was what wrecked him and not the other way around. What does that... I, I don't know what that tells us, though. It tells us, Jonas, that goalies are voodoo and like good luck predicting what the hell is going to happen. I think I think I said this on a previous show, but when I was doing my fantasy draft, there was there's a lot of Leafs fans in the in the pool that I'm in, and Anderson was dropping like a stone. And eventually, we got to like round like ten or whatever. I was like, you know, fuck, like I'm just going to take him, and he's been amazing. And I'm in second place right now, in part part because of how he's played. James, are the Athletics? Uh, I don't know what you like. He's our statistical expert. What's like a, our our expert on every kind of model there is for the league? Dom? Analytics writer. Analytics writer. So he was at the game on Tuesday and we were talking about goalies. And he said one of the things like he's had to do to adjust his model is account for place a higher emphasis on more recent performance as opposed to 
mm. three to five years. Mm. And I thought that was interesting, like, because if you look at Jack Campbell, like if you looked at the previous four years, three years, but if you look at like the last year and a half, maybe that's more indicative of what he is. I don't know what that tells us about Anderson. Cause like Anderson wasn't good last year. So well, I don't know. on the flip side, like Anderson was good two and a half years ago and not good the last year and a half. And then now he's a world beater. I, I think, I think what it tells us is it's still a little early, even with Jack Campbell, it's still a little early to know what he is. And I'm sure this is probably part of what we're going to talk about, but the Leafs have to try and figure out what kind of a contract to give them. And it, it's, that's a, that's a, the, some of these goalie contracts are really, really tough. You see guys that have barely played, you know, like, like Chris Dreger in Seattle getting contracts for three years. I mean, the, it happened to Carolina, which I think is one of the smartest teams in the league. And they, they went with Scott Darling and they gave him, did they give him a, yeah, four year deal. Four year deal for four million a year or whatever. And he really he had only played like fifty games or something and he turned into a pumpkin and he was he was awful. And I believe they that uh they traded him and the other team bought him out or something like that. And I don't know where he's playing right now. You know what I would do, James? Nothing. I would wait. Yeah. I mean the only thing you risk though, Jonas, is if he's keeps if Campbell keeps playing like this for another thirty games, all of a sudden the price goes But what's the the max whoop. price is what, James? Like, I think uh, there's a max on, on what he can get from five, anyone. Five and a half. I think that's like the max. I, like five and a half is pushing it. So like, I think, I don't know. Like, I don't know what you gain really by doing it now. And like, I still think you need to see it. I Like, you need to see if like he can handle this workload. And we'll see how, how Sheldon Keefe manages starts between him and Peter Mrazek. But I don't know. Like you could get into a situation where you sign Jack Campbell. Now you've got Peter Mrazek for the next two years. And then both guys just like kind of are just meh. And then you're stuck with these two guys. You know what I mean? Goalies are tough. I can, I can see, I, I don't envy GMs having to like figure out how to pay a goalie and which goalie to pay. And I feel comfortable saying that Jack Campbell's an NHL goalie and like he's at minimum he's a tandem guy that that you want you want playing 35 40 games a year but the error bars on on how good he is are it's still really unclear well and even for like analytically expert driven front offices like Carolina like you know what I mean like that they can kind of be lost with this stuff sometimes too like it's like it's what well, you said. It's voodoo. Part of it, Jonas, is I think they need Mrazek to play and they need him to be good because if you do sign Campbell to, let's say, a $5 million contract, you're going to need to trade Mrazek because you, you don't want to be spending $9 million in goal next year. No. That would not be good. Mrazek has an 877 save percentage right now. If he does that for the year, then you're going to be stuck with him. Well, he's only played a, a five periods. He's played a hundred minutes. Yeah. Well, I'm looking, James. Like, there's like decent goalies available next summer. So some of the UFAs: Flurry, Koskinen, Kemper, Grice, Corpusallo. Uh, None of those guys have been good this year. No. Well, it's so early. My boy Halak, who's just been fine. Well, Halak's uh, getting getting up there. Getting up there. Anyway. Um, you said there were good goalies available, and then you named a whole bunch of guys that are like super old or not very good. Kemper's pretty good. He hasn't been good this year. He's played like 
four games, seven, actually he's played seven games. Sample size, James, you seem to forget that sometimes. You seem to forget that sometimes. I do. It's true. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to talk about before we get to the pod bag, David Camp, like that line, they did, their numbers weren't great against Vegas, but I, I think it's remarkable like how much they're getting buried and how much they're still kind of surviving. Like Camp, Engvall, Kasha, I really like that line. I almost think that Kasha should, like, I'd like to see him play with, I, I wouldn't want to break that line up because they've played really well. It's almost the perfect line for someone like Engvall, who's like not the most creative offensive player. Yeah. But, but is big and fast and gets in the way. And I know that, you know, Sheldon Keefe has always wanted a line that could do what that line's doing. And you can see why, because it just opens up opportunity for all the other lines. Yeah. Like James, their, their ozone start percentage is 9%. Well, why would you start that line in the ozone? <laughs> you you wouldn't like, and, but they're 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 hanging like they're they're doing well with it. I guess like eventually, once Mikheyev comes back, when it like we'll see when he comes back. Maybe that gives you some flexibility. Maybe you can move Kasha up. But like that was one of the questions in the uh, in the pod bag is is what do you do when Mikheyev gets back? What's the timeline on him at this point? What, he's like December, late December based on their timetable, like he's a long way. And like, who knows? Like those, we saw with uh, Simmons last year, like those kind of things aren't easy to come back from and be good Well, right the good news is that McKayev's hands were so good and he was having so much success putting the puck <laughs> in the net that it doesn't matter if he yes. breaks his wrist in his hand every 12 minutes. Well, and, and I know those, I understand those questions, but you just never know what your, what injuries are going to, be like at that point so like yeah, we can look ahead yeah. into december and be like well they could do this but it's like they could be missing two guys they could be missing no one we'll see um let's take a break and then let's do pod bag hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline all right, James, it is your favorite part of the podcast is the pod bag. It's time to support your local restaurants. We found a Chinese food place in our, our neighborhood that we hadn't gone to, which was just unbelievable. Mm. So we were very happy about that because sometimes like you you walk by places in your hood and you never go I there. a good Chinese place. Do they deliver out to... I think my, it's too far. The, the boonies where I am? <laughs> Probably too far. But, but this is just, what I'm just saying is like... There are all these places in your neighborhood that you probably walk past and you're like, yeah, and, and you never go there. And then you go there and you're like, wow, that was unbelievable. So if you have a place in your neighborhood that you walk past many times, I've been curious about, try it. All right. Go ahead, James. What do you got? Peter S. has some nice words about our Premier League coverage. Nice. He, I don't, do, you ever, do you ever watch Premier League soccer? No. He says, fellas, this, is the, this year I've really started to watch the Premier League. Uh, and the athletics coverage has been fantastic for someone who's learning the tactics of the sport. Have you, do you know the TIFO guys? Are you going to have them on guests as guests on the podcast? I don't know if there would be, I mean, Peter, I know you would like that show. I don't know if we would get widespread interest in, do you know what the TIFO guys are, Jonas? 
they do like no. videos and they do video breakdown kind of things of oh, cool. the Premier League that are like really fantastic. I wish that there was someone like that in hockey. There isn't really anyone that does what they do, but I encourage people to, if, to, to check them out and what they're doing because it's pretty neat. Do you know what I really enjoy about soccer? And, and Josh Cloak is like a soccer fanatic and knows everything. I like how they some of the words they use, like they call it a side for the team. I like when they say the manager has been sacked. They're all Britishisms, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. like, like imagine if we said like the coach X just got sacked in the NHL. I think well, the way we they use language that. in general. Have you been to England? No, not yet. Well, not really, no. Or, or even like at the Globe and Mail, we had lots of like English folks and, and Irish folks that would work in the newsroom. And it's just like the way they use language is so much. It's like it's it's more interesting than us. Or it's like less. Way better. They use it. They use it more like artistically than we do, and like some of their sayings. And you know, my background is Scottish, and some of the Scottish sayings are so hilarious. And I can't wait to get over there. But so I was in London for a month for the Olympics, and just I don't know. You're listening to them talk and what they say. It's they thought I was a big dumb American uh, guy walking around there, but um, I, I was I was really entertained by like all the different accents and all the different phrases that they used and things like that. It, it would be fun as a writer to be able to have access to like all those different kinds of turns of phrase. We should start working them in. I use Defender. I like using Defender. That's about the only one that I've managed to get in. Anyway, what's the next question? Uh, James B., fellow James, says, do you really believe the Leafs have turned it around or do you see this as shaping up to be a season of inconsistency? Uh, he's, he, and his second question is, uh, which hockey writers do you and Jonas read when you're researching uh, for your own pieces? So question one, I think it's to go back to our game, TBD. I get still too early, but I think we see, I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's really simple sometimes when their best guys are playing like that, they're, they're a really good team. And when they're just kind of like, okay, they're, they're not as good. Like, it's not really that complicated sometimes. We need to see another, like, five to seven games of Muzzin playing better, the decor looking the way that it has, play against some better teams, and, and the offense clicking for the big guys. And yeah, with the way Campbell's playing, they'll be in a really good spot if that's how if, – if they can get those, those pieces up and running. Uh, which hockey writers uh, do you and I read when you're researching – he says, when you're researching your own takes – I mean, I, I, we have at the athletic now, we have something like, if you include our freelancers and stuff, we have 50 plus writers at the athletic. And it's just, it's really incredible how many we have. Yeah. I like just kind of going around the league sometimes and just clicking on a team and then just reading what's going on. Yeah. So that's like I mean, everybody, like the Blackhawks guys are awesome. Um, the blues guys, obviously Dom. Like there's there's tons of good writers. Portsline with the Blue Jackets. Like you know, Sean Gentilly's done a really good job for us. And then, like we don't want to just mention all of our writers, but you know, it's the the depth of if you're a big hockey nerd, the depth of of coverage that that we have now at the national writers and all the good local writers and whatever. It's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. Well, I'll shout out our friend of the friend of the show, Chris Johnson, because I always read everything he writes. Yeah, Chris is plugged in and and smart and you know i i've been i read um sometimes i read some of the uh 
some some of like uh, I don't want to call it like fan generated, but like some of like the the blogs and stuff I find interesting. Sometimes I check yeah. them out. You know, there's there's good young writers out there uh, that are doing interesting stuff. And uh, Emily Kaplan at ESPN has done some really good stuff. Obviously, league wide. Yep. 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 Right. Some of the like you know like the the hot stove and the, uh, the Leafs Nation and yep. The industry is at an interesting point. There's just, you know, the newspapers are really, really hurting in Canada. And, you know, obviously there's the, there's the athletic and the writers that we have, but there's just, you know, I, I feel bad. There's a lot of people with talent that don't have anywhere to write to earn a living. So there's, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying, you know, kind of in this training ground for years where they can't make a living at it and they're writing for these websites and stuff. It's, it's not great. Like, you know, it, it would be hopefully, hopefully more media companies invest in, in writing and, and and hire more people because, you know, it feels like that it the industry's taken a big hit the last ten years. That's why Kendall Roy wants to to, to take over Roy Roystar, right? I have no idea what any of that. What is that? <laughs> Nothing. That's the session. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It's mm-hmm. on my my wife doesn't seem interested. I don't have to watch it on my own. Yeah, you should if you watch read it. like the description of what it is, it's like yeah. Mm, yeah, that's probably a wrong approach. It's awesome. And you're both in media. Like this is this is crystal clear perfect for you. It's like a media family? Yeah. It's it's like basically I the think Rogers it's modeled thing? on the No, it's not. It's modeled I think on the Murdochs. Right. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. It's awesome. I mean, I want to I want to watch it, but I just my my watching television partner I need to convince if not, you just do it solo, James. Uh, I don't have a lot of time to. <laughs> yeah, I just don't have. You'll see when you got two kids and three year old with a cold and the six year old playing hockey. And uh, last weekend we had to go all the way to Whitby to go to the reptile zoo. When you start doing standing, we had Halloween. The reptile zoo. We did. We went. I drove. I drove all the way to Whitby on Saturday. We my my son did hockey and then. He wanted, he like desperately wanted to go to the reptile zoo. So I drove all of it. It was like almost an hour to get there and an hour back. What's the big attraction at the reptile zoo? Is there like, uh, what are those things called? Uh, the dragon, the Komodo dragon? Is there no, one of those? No, they don't have one of those. They have, they have like these monitor lizards, which are kind of like that. They're not quite as big as a Komodo dragon, but they're big. But the big attraction, they had a whole bunch of crocodiles. Mm. My, my son, he's, he's six. He's almost seven. He loves snakes. He's, he's super interested in snakes. So they had all kinds of poisonous snakes. They had like mambas and anacondas and boa constrictors. And like, he knows like all the facts about them and whatever. So um, the crocodiles were like massive and you could stand like right next to them. It was, it was pretty interesting. Nice. Anyway, I recommend right. the reptile, reptile zoo. We had a good time. The only thing is you got to go to Whitby. So, or Vaughn, there's one in Vaughn as well. Uh, Tristan C says, what does your gut say at this moment on Austin Matthews re-signing when his contract is up? Too hard to say. That's one of your, we can play your game again to TBD. That's definitely TBD. The The biggest thing is going to be where the Maple Leafs are at. Yes. Like if the Maple Leafs look like their cap sheet, as I think they say in, in the UK, if their cap sheet is, is a mess and and they're not competitive, then I don't think Austin Matthews is going to stay. If they're a contending team, they're coming off a season of, or two where they've had success, which obviously Austin Matthews is a big part of, then I think he would stay. But 
I don't get the sense that the Leafs are going to get any kind of a discount. Like I think it's going to be it's going to be a big time number for him to stay. As it should be. Yeah, they should pay him like whatever he wants. Basically, we'll see where the market's at for the top players in the league. Like it, you know, McDavid locked in at twelve and a half. I mean, you know, if Matthews was up this coming summer, he would he would get more than that. Just well, I guess. James uh, McKinnon might kind of set the new market for guys like Matthews. What a steal of a contract. Yeah, so so the McKinnon deal will get done and Matthews can look at that and say, hey, you know, I'm better than McKinnon because of XYZ, assuming that Matthews puts up, you know, more goals than he does over the next couple of years. And I think that just, you know, personality-wise and everything, it would not surprise me if if Matthews would want to play in like for the Rangers or the, you know, if the Kings get better or like I could see him wanting to play in, in a place that, that, that has like a real kind of, I think he's going to want to play somewhere where you have a profile and, and it's like an interesting place. I know he spends a lot of time in, in California and uh, everyone always says, oh, he's going to go back to Arizona. It's like, if that franchise is looking good there, read, read Katie Strang's story on the Arizona Coyotes and tell me that one of the best players in the league is going to go sign there. It's just, it's not, it's not reality. It's not going to happen. But, you know, if I had to bet right now, I would say, I think Austin Matthews will stay, but it's going to really depend how, how well the Leafs are managed over the next couple of years and what kind of success they have. And if he thinks he can win a Stanley cup here, he may win a Stanley cup here before then. Who knows? That could change things. Doesn't look that way now, but you never know. Rich S says the Leafs defense has looked really good the last couple games, but still pretty early. Uh, Should we expect more changes? Uh, Do you think they should make a trade for a defenseman? I think we. I want to see like the next five to seven games before we start talking about what exactly they need to do on the on the defense. I think that's fair. I mean, there we're a long ways from the trade deadline. They've got a lot of time to kind of evaluate this. But a big thing is like, is is Hall going to get back to what he was the last couple of years, or is this who he is now? Because if he's not, like, then then you've got a problem. Because then you're short. Well, they w- this kind of goes into the next question, but they would need to probably create some cap space if they want to bring in another defenseman, and they'll obviously have to give up an asset as well. So Darren M asks. Well, he doesn't. He he more has a statement here. Nick Ritchie looks like a slow fourth liner who doesn't offer much of anything. Do you still believe someone will take his contract off Toronto's hands? I think that there's enough Nick Ritchie support around the league that you could probably give him away somewhere. Um, although the longer he goes on the fourth line not producing anything, the harder that's going to be. Yeah, I don't know what kind of value he'd have as an asset. Probably not very much at all. Like he's, You're just giving him away. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to give him away. And maybe you'd even have to take back a player who's not... Who you, don't, who you don't love. Like, I wonder if you get into a point where you have to, I mean, you have to trade someone like Kerfoot and then you have to attach mm-hmm. something good. I mean, mm-hmm. it, like, it would get interesting if Timothy Lilligren continues to play well, if he becomes like an asset that you move for someone. Well, no, I think if Lilligren plays really well, I don't think you move him. Well, but what are you trading? What are you trading then? Nick Ritchie for a top 4D. Right. That, that makes sense. <laughs> Richie has one the only thing point. with Kerfoot is I think Kerfoot looks real good as like the third banana on the uh, Tavares and Marner line. You, you can't have everything. Like if you want to address this, like you have to do something. You can't always get what you want. There's a song about that apparently. Um, Richie, 10 games, 
zero goals, one assist, 12 shots, 12-29 a night. Lots of hits. Leads the team in hits. There are a lot of questions today about the Campbell contract. Um, you know, we're working on on a story on that. So it's kind of a little bit in flux right now. What's going to happen in that situation? Um, that's, that's, I think we that, addressed it. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy B says, do the Leafs lose more players than other teams on waivers? The last few years, it feels like they've lost two or three players every year on waivers. None of them are huge names, but it does impact your depth if you keep losing guys. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say this has, has been like something that's happened. It, it seemed like it happened last year and this year, but I don't know. It, it could be because the Leafs are signing a lot of these like veteran guys to really low contracts and like, like Boyd and VC last year. And, uh, Amadio um, and and uh, well, I mean Brooks was already, but it maybe maybe the Leafs just have guys. Here's the thing: like the Leafs are so close to the cap that they're often having to put players on waivers that are like their thirteenth forward. A lot of other teams don't have to do that. A lot of other teams just carry their thirteenth or fourteenth forward and never have to put them on waivers. But the Leafs are so tight to the cap that often they're going down to a twenty or a twenty-one man roster, and then they're having to put guys on waivers. And also, you know, they're like signing these veteran guys to cheap contracts and. You know, like Amadio wanted to come here because he's he's from here, and he, you know, there, there's a connection here and a pull here for some of these guys. And uh, or is Amadio from the Sioux? He's from anyway. He's, he's from, from the Mon- Sioux. He's from Ontario, but so you're getting these guys signing here, and then uh, doesn't work out, and they end up on waivers. And I, I wonder too sometimes with those. Do you think like the Leafs are like a little bit? more high profile so these guys like have like a little bit more of a profile that the other teams yes absolutely yeah it also doesn't it doesn't really i don't want to say it doesn't matter because like a couple injuries and like you can use those guys but well they could just claim somebody else off waivers right right? like Like, and those guys weren't playing ahead of anyone like even if they had adam brooks right now he'd be a scratch brooks isn't playing in montreal i think he's played two games yeah and amadio wasn't playing here What's Amadio? <laughs> I get to say it one last time. Maybe they'll claim him again. Uh, you. This is a question for you, Jonas, because you. Okay. I, I know you've been around the team a lot. Uh, Simeon says, uh, with the drop in overall team defense this year, why do you think the penalty kill has been so strong? I really like their penalty kill. It's really aggressive. Um, the the numbers still are just like kind of all over the place. Um, but they use a lot of guys. Um, I like that, like they've started to use Kasha a lot more and I think he's, he can be a pretty good penalty killer. I mean, like you just watch that Vegas game and like Marner is all over the place. Kasha's all over the place. Camp is a really good penalty killer. Um, their goaltending has been better too. Like that's the thing they did not get last year. Like I think their, their penalty kill probably would have, been better had Vesna Trophy winner Frederick Anderson not been so bad, honestly. Like, his numbers on the penalty kill were just awful. But I think their new approach has made a difference. I was expecting them to be even more, like, aggressive and more... I don't know. Maybe they're still figuring out what... Like, I thought they would be more like what they call, like, the power kill and the Leafs would be kind of trying to push for offense more while they're shorthanded. I don't know. Like Marner had like a couple really good chances against Vegas. 
Yeah, but Vegas didn't have their five best forwards and like the guys they had on that top power play unit were guys that are normally there. And Yeah, that's true. Uh, Tom asks, how often does the team practice during the season? What do they focus on <clears throat> when they practice? They practice less than they used to. Like I remember under Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle, it was, I know it's not that long ago, but it's almost like a different era for the NHL. They used to practice like, it felt like every off day is a practice. Um, I don't now, know. They practice a fair bit now. Well, they, yeah, but they but they take more off days now than they used well, to. Well, because they're mandated now. They weren't mandated, I don't think, for a while. But the Leafs take more than are mandated, don't they? Not they really, take, they honestly. They mix in like an extra one once in a while. Sometimes. I think what's interesting to me about their practices is they're just a lot longer under Keefe. Mm. And, and that's one big contrast with, with Mike Babcock. Babcock believed in like short, intense practices and like 30 minutes max. And like Keith the other day, it was like almost an hour. And that's not really unusual. I think it's interesting. But then like they don't morning skate. Is that all the development team and everything that... That's part of it. Um, Because Keith's got like all those other coaches on the ice. But that's that's pre-practice. Right. They're on the ice. Like I, I guess the fact that they don't morning skate like they might have before makes a difference. I don't know. Morning skates are dumb. It's why habit, doing, right? Why are you doing a morning skate? Habit. When they get out there for like, you go through all the like, get your equipment on and get your sticks ready. And, and then you're out there for like 20 minutes. And then, but it, it just seems to me that fewer morning skates, maybe like an extra off day a month or something. It feels like sometimes, but you know, the mandate, when did the mandated off days come in? That was like, that, that was relatively recently, right? Like five yeah, years ago? Yeah, that was like the Carlisle year, years, like, I, I think, because I remember it being a thing, like, oh, mm-hmm. now they have to take days off. Mm. And with the, I, th- I believe they get four off days a month. Is that right? I think so. And like, a lot of teams it, like the Leafs do an extra day. Like, they'll be off one. Well, they might only be off one day this week. The... um. Because I remember in the old days, it was like they would, it would be like seven days a week. Cause like when you were, when I was covering the team for the newspaper and I was the only person covering the Leafs, it's like you got to work every single day because they're on every day. Yes. Which I mean, people will be like, oh, you know, cry me a river. These guys make lots of money, yada, yada, yada. But the, the, the question is if you're on the ice every single day and you're practicing and playing games and, you know, and they used to practice early, like they used to play a game and then they're back on the ice for practice at like whatever, 1045. That never made a lot of sense to me either. That's gone. It's now 12. Yeah, I know. Um, Morgan C. says, I wonder if you guys listened to the Spittin' Chicklets podcast and heard Ryan Whitney's comments that the Leafs have no chance to win a Stanley Cup. I haven't, I, I, I didn't hear that, so I don't know exactly. Hopefully, Morgan's not taking him out of context here. Um do you think there's anything to that uh, odd timing after they've won some games? But um, it's something a lot of us fans have felt. The team lacks balance and depth to compete in the playoffs. Can you see this team? Can you honestly see this team winning a Stanley Cup? I mean, I understand why there are doubts after they blew the Montreal series and the Columbus series and that they haven't been. That's part of why everything, the city was on fire for after the first five or six games when they looked really crappy is that. There's not a lot of belief in this team that it's going to be able to get it done. Um, you know, I, I would say that watching them 
during last season in the regular season when they really figured out their defensive play and Campbell was on a roll and playing really well. At that point, I thought that, yeah, they had a shot. They weren't they weren't among the very best teams in the league, but they were in there right in that next group. And teams from that next group often can win in the NHL. So, um, but that belief has been shaken in the fan base. I think it's been been shaken in the analysts and they need to, they need to prove something in the playoffs before anyone's going to believe that they can get it done. I just think you need to remember Washington was about to fire. Uh, why can't I remember his name? Trots. Barry Trots. Uh, when they won the, like the year they won the cup, the blues were in turmoil and obviously made a coaching change. Like it, it can look one way and completely change in the playoffs. So absolutely they can. Are they a good bet right now? Maybe not, but I wouldn't rule it out. We are out of time, James. Well, a lot of great questions. A lot of great questions in the app. If you don't have the app, download it at your app store go to theathletic.com for subscribe slash the leaf report oh theathletic.com slash leaf report to subscribe but even if you don't subscribe get the app because we have more and more content for non-subscribers you can also i believe you can still ask us questions uh, for the podcast in the app breaking news all right james it's fine now we're done tbd talk next week goodbye